0: Scarlet yes. Spider, number four, Fantastic Four, 605, and Suicide Squad, number eight. Uh,
1: how was that? Because I didn't read it. Very good. Uh, balls, of course. Balls. It was actually in my box, and I yelled at my comic guy. I'm like, don't you keep track of what I do online? I cut it out of my box a month ago. So he embarrassingly took it out of my box and put it back on the shelf. That's what I need to do. I need to just-,
2: <laughs> just shame him?
1: <laughs> yeah, if I don't want a book, I just need to yell at him. Just make a
2: scene,
3: you know, yeah. and then start crying. <laughs> That's what I recommend. The so only, only language some people understand is screaming and crying. <laughs> All right, Isn't that so, the only language women understand? Aaron's recording, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not, Andrew. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. You you go ahead and speak your mind.
3: So yes. books, then. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. I'm Andrew. Well,
2: howdy, guys. How are you doing? I am well, yourself. Fantastic. Pretty good. Gents. So uh, I was out there in the world this week, you know, traveling on the business. And uh, I'm sitting at this restaurant, and I've, I've got my iPad out, and I'm uh, reading digital comics. And, you know, I'm reading uh, Manhattan Projects uh, by uh, Jonathan Hickman. And the waitress comes up behind me, and sees that I've got you know comics on my iPad, and she goes, "Hey, I'm going to be nosy," and I said, "Okay." And she goes, uh, "I see you're reading a graphic novel there on your iPad," <laughs> and I said, "Uh huh." And I'm thinking, "Okay, she's she's chatting me up because you know that's what waitresses do," and uh, <laughs> she says, uh, "She says, um, uh, wh- which one are you reading?" And I said, "Oh, I'm I'm reading a I'm reading a comic called Manhattan Projects." And she goes, "Oh, by Jonathan Hickman." And I'm like, "Wow, she knows." You know, she does a lot of research for that tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So she, 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 I said, "Yeah," and she, she's like, "Well, I mean, I've been meaning to check that out." And so the next thing you know, she is sitting at my booth, and we're talking comics. You know, and I'm, and she's, she's all upset because I'm reading issue two, which hasn't even come out yet. And she's like, "That one hasn't even come out yet." I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I've got a I've got a uh, comic book uh, podcast and blog. And I mean, it's like I'm a freaking rock star. (laughs) (laughs) You
3: hit geek Kevin.
2: I really did. I really did. And it it was just it was just this very surreal moment, you know, where, you know, suddenly my Diet Coke is getting refilled faster.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now, now what was the approximate age of this waitress? Uh,
2: She was a uh, student over at Texas Tech. She's probably in her, you know. (laughs) 60s, <laughs> yeah. See, my wife would have accused me of flirting because uh, oh,
0: he was, was flirting. Th- I see because we've gone out to restaurants before, and I'll be wearing like one of my Superman shirts or a Batman shirt or a Batman hoodie or something otherwise His identifying Batman, me. Yeah, something identifying me as a huge geek, and I'll strike up a conversation with the uh, the waitress about it because apparently being geek
2: is in right now. And my wife always accuses me of uh, flirting with the waitresses when that well, happens. I, you know, at first, I, I kind of had that cringe like, great, now we're going to talk about, you know, it's going to be a you person reading comic books. But I was just so pleased, surprised when she was actually, you know, into comics as well.
1: So, yeah. Aaron, when was the last time you had a college student sitting at one of your tables? Was it the, when you were in your that phase? <laughs>
2: uh, it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> that
1: kid in that face that we told that we weren't going to mention on the that's air. right
2: that's right stop it paul yeah, two months Sorry. ago that's
0: right.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's right yeah last week
2: <laughs> but yeah no it was great but you know i know someone else who's reading digital comics or maybe i should say reading digital comic uh tim you read aquaman number one
4: on air wayne gifted me aquaman one from comiXology i, I think it was a two weeks ago, and uh, I got around to reading it, so I need to break it down into two separate parts, which is the good part and the bad part. Okay.
0: Huh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the, the good part was the the, the writing of the book and, and and just about everything about the comic was, was good. I liked it. Um, I There was a lot of humor in the book. Everybody's basically said their piece on Aquaman 1, and I can echo it. It's a very funny book. Um, you know, it's pretty. It's very self-deprecating, the humor that Aquaman goes through in that day. And uh, the art's beautiful. Um, my concern about the book in general, though, is that that's kind of a one-trick pony kind of gag. Like, how many books are we going to see Aquaman be made fun of, and is that going to carry through?
0: And I can and so- tell you at this point, now that there are, what, seven, eight issues in... They, it hasn't been that one trick pony. They've actually developed a good story. They've continued the humor without it always being self deprecating, and they they haven't gone away from it. But it hasn't gotten old because I had that same concern of how long could that last. And they've got, there's still a really good book there.
4: So I can I can I can say for certain that although I'm probably not going to pick it up because Aquaman just isn't my thing, that I'm not going to make fun of people that are reading this book because it, it it read pretty well. Let's talk about the bad part. Uh, the, the Comixology app, uh, when you're on your computer, is is god-awful. It's just god-awful. Like, okay, so it, it's, not a, it's not a shock that we sometimes get PDFs here um, as, as press reviews. And I'm used to being able to use a little scroll bar and zoom in and zoom out. And when I opened up the Comixology app, it's like, here's a pop-up explaining everything. I'm like, get out of here, pop-up. And then I couldn't figure out how to zoom.
0: <laughs> so, it, it, get out it of here think that will tell me how to zoom
4: well i didn't know i thought it was just a stupid pop-up that i could bring back and then like once i deleted it it was you know obliterated and I, I did it again i can't zoom so i'm squinting at the computer and i'm like you know it would sure be nice if there was like a little button that's there all the time and said hey why don't you zoom in so that's probably user error i got to admit but damn it, that was annoying reading that comic at like <laughs> full screen, trying to squint. It's like, what the hell are they saying? No, so I think the app could be better. Um, but it's probably meant for your little your little iPads, there, boys.
0: So well, there's actually a separate app for the the readers, and it having read both on the website and on a uh, on my Nook, it is much much better reading it on a device with an app. I would agree the web interface isn't very good. And by isn't com- good,
4: you mean I had to get a magnifying glass?
3: Well, especially
0: compared to the app, because the app is actually very good.
3: Especially when you click away and hurt the feelings of the little instructional booklet that I was going to tell you how to, how to not get, to get,
4: get, out of, get out of here, fucking Microsoft paperclip bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I said, to you don't love drive. me anymore. I'm going de- to delete your C drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
4: uh, the digital experiment, what, what can I say about it? Uh, I'm going to give it a C because I like the book. So it was positive in that aspect, but the interface was just awful. And like I said, part of that is probably user error. But you know what? If I'm a new person and I'm, I'm, and I'm you know, quote-unquote normal, that's going to happen to more than just me.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've gone a step too far there, Tim. Normal?
4: It's an if-then statement, Aaron. You can not say not if.
2: Okay. All
0: right. All right. Yeah, I still think it was a worthwhile experiment because now you understand what we see in Aquaman, why, it's, why we say it's a good book even though it's Aquaman, because those two things don't normally go together. Yeah. And you've had the experience of the Comicsology app, so now when you bitch about digital comics, you're more informed about why you hate them.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it was a worthwhile experiment because it was your money and not mine. That's <laughs>
0: fair. That's
4: probably a fair point. But thanks, Wayne. I, I do appreciate it. I, and I, like I said, I'm not gonna make fun of anybody reading Aquaman anymore.
3: I'll just make. You're not gonna make fun of you You're not gonna make fun of anyone reading digital comics anymore. No. Oh.
4: No, not that. D- it didn't do that, Andrew.
3: <laughs> I'll keep hoping.
4: Rome was not built in a day.
3: <laughs> Baby steps.
4: Oh, but look at this on our outline. We have more digital comics to talk about. Yes. I'm going to stroke out a little
1: bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the sad thing is that uh, Tim, because of his allergic reaction to digital comics, won't be reading some of DC's new digital first books.
2: Oh, great, Um, you know, because the uh, Justice League Unlimited was so wildly successful.
1: I didn't... Okay, so Justice League Unlimited really could have been a lot better. I will give it that. Um but supposedly if you read it collected it, it's actually quite good. People really love the printed editions of that book. Um I think digital it was digital
4: first, huh, Paul? Yeah,
1: I think it was poorly formatted as a digital book. I will I, I'll say I that. agree. I, I agree. I think had I read the print version of it as a full story instead of half a story, I might've enjoyed it more. And I got to say, I had a similar reaction this week to Smallville season 11, issue one. Um, you know, that started, I think on Friday and similar experience in that, you know, I read it and it felt like not much of a story. It felt like not much happened. It really honestly felt like the opening scene of a comic book that I paid a buck for. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're a Smallville fan, you'll get a kick out of it, you know, you know, because he's dressed in the Superman costume and all that. But generally, it was kind of a meh experience for me. But now one thing that is exciting to me is that DC's talking about a digital first um, sequel to Batman Black and White. Um, now, Batman Black and White, if, for those of you who don't remember, was a series a couple years back um, featuring some of the best names in comics at the time. Jim Lee, Frank Miller, Paul Dini, Bruce Timm. I mean, basically anyone who was anyone at the time did a sh- a short story for Batman all in black and white out of continuity and they could do anything they want.
0: Yeah, and if and, you haven't read it, do yourself a favor and read it because yeah. it was good.
1: But you know what? Just do yourself a favor and if they have it in hardcover or an absolute edition, just freaking get it. It is a beautiful, beautiful book um so they're doing a new series of batman black and white featuring you know like a whole plethora of awesome creators guys like steve niles ben templesmith um i read on twitter that jeff parker would be contributing uh i mean really just a, a ton of people um again digital first and so dc has this whole digital first plan now uh that they're going to be releasing a new digital first comic every day of the week um on Monday, they're going to have a, a comic based on the Amikomi Girls. That's their line of anime-inspired superheroines.
2: You just made that up. Those are no, just sounds true. that randomly thrown together. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> if you want Wait, to see Is your this new? Story.
0: I've never heard of this.
1: No, they, they've been releasing these statues for a while now, and they're like anime-inspired takes ah, on their
0: characters. So they're based on the statue. I've seen the statues. Yeah, <laughs> Because you demanded it.
2: A comic book based on a statue.
3: <laughs>
2: Can't um, wait awesome. for the Blue Water uh, Statue of Liberty comic.
3: Looking <laughs> for the Blue Water. Uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be the Tolkien biology inspired. <laughs> yeah. Where's the statue? Where's the one inspired by the Statue of Liberty?
0: Blue
1: Water. What? It's
3: a Blue it's Water. It's Marvel? Marvel.
1: Kill the joke, Wayne. Kill the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tuesday, they're going to have Batman Arkham Unhinged, which I, which I think already started. And I think it's, you know, based on the comic, uh, the, uh, video game universe. Uh-huh. Wednesday, mm. they're going to have their Batman Beyond Justice League Beyond Comics. Thursday's going to be Batman. And Friday is Smallville Season 11. So you have, like, a digital first book every day of the week, 99 cents each. And these are going to um, be
2: ongoing stories every week?
1: These are going to, well, the, the, the thing that, they're going to be ongoing stories, except for the Batman one, which is, um... You know those are short stories so I got to be honest out of all of them that's the one I'm most looking forward to right um, because it's it's form you know it'll be I can get a full story I'm not getting a half a story or a third of a story for a buck hmm.
0: yeah I think it was a it was a good experiment because it was your buddy Paul but how many pages was this smallville thing that you had to pay a dollar for
1: that is a very good question um, not enough I mean it really when I say it felt like the introduction to a comic book, it really did. The last page of the comic felt like, you know, it's a it's a full 22 pages, but let's not call it 22 pages. Let's call it 22 panels, or 22 half pages. How about that? Um, so, I mean, it was 11 pages to the comic book, but the last page felt like the page where you would see, you know, the creator credits. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just, it, it felt very much like a, like they were just kind of like the Batman and Justice League stuff where they were just taking half of the page and submitting it half half page at a time.
3: Hey, you know I, what I, that was like? That's like the one in the you blah, 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 blah. I got nothing. Tim, go.
4: I, I was just going to say, if you really expected me to follow out out of an out of a, a digital comics explosion like that, Aaron, you are sadly effing mistaken. <laughs> but I know somebody on here whose levels of rage are starting to approach me. I know somebody has something to get out. Wayne. Explode. Go.
0: You know, a few years ago they did a crossover with the Ultimate Universe and the Zombie Universe. And they hinted that it was going to be a crossover between Fantastic Four and the Reg the real world Fantastic Four. This is where they created the zombie universe. I was so pissed off when they made that, you know, when they were hinting at that. Because the Ultimate Universe is It's supposed to be this rebooted universe giving new readers a chance to jump on. They've created this wonderful world that has nothing to do with the regular universe, and it's a separate entity. They did the whole bait-and-switch in that case, and they created the zombie universe, and I was fine with that. Then the regular Marvel universe crossed over with the zombie universe, and that pissed me off because that indicated that this could actually be an alternate reality. And the one thing about the ultimate universe is it's They've contained different world. Things work differently, and they should work differently because it's not the same world. You know, it's a separate world. Things are different. These aren't the same characters. So So now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now they make this announcement that this Spider-Man thing that they've been promoting all this time and give us no real details on is a crossover between Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and the regular Marvel Universe, Spider-Man. Despite Bendis over the years saying that, no, this is not just a separate you know This is a separate universe. It's not something that can cross over. It's not just another numbered universe. He didn't even like the use of the 616 universe. No, now he's writing a crossover between the two characters. It really pisses me off. Because it weakens the Ultimate Universe for what it is. This is a separate line of comics that what happens in the regular Marvel Universe can't and shouldn't happen here. And a crossover means this is just another alternate reality. And why should I care about it? Because it's not its own universe. It's not supposed to be our world. It's just another one of the millions and millions of alternate realities that the Marvel Universe has.
2: It's a kick in the balls by Bendis. According to Joe Quesada, Marvel Comics is out of ideas. Uh, Marvel, uh, Joe Quesada said many years ago that if we ever cross over the Ultimate Universe with the 616, it means we're out of ideas. And so, you know, all this week he has been taking a drubbing in the uh, comic book internet press. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's a little bit out of shape about it. He says, you know, well, you know, can't I change my mind? You know, why am I not allowed to change my mind? And, you know, I think he is allowed to change his mind. I I take him to task on it because when you say stupid things, people should take you to task on it. And I think it was foolish for them to to say never, you know, to say that we we will never, ever do a 616 Ultimate Universe crossover because, you know, comics is a business. And they're going to do things that sell comics. They're going to write comics that sell. And I'm sorry – Telling a story between the 616 and the Ultimate Universe, particularly when the Ultimate Universe has been around for so long now, um, those are going to sell books. you, you know? know. And
0: I want, I want to boycott the book. I don't want to buy it. I don't want to get any of the story. But I'm afraid that they're going to make it actually matter because they keep talking about telling a story that actually matters and that it's for the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man and all that. I'm afraid they're going to make changes that will impact the Ultimate book that I'm enjoying – in this
2: crossover well i i, I absolutely do not share uh, wayne's ire at this situation it didn't bother me one little bit that they're going to cross over the six one six with the ultimate universe um, the only thing that that i that i find amusing about it is that Casada is upset that people are are quoting him you know and you know sorry don't say stupid things
4: you know as somebody who's never picked up an ultimate comic because it wasn't in regular continuity and said that the Ultimate Comics don't matter? Wayne, I told you so. There you go.
3: (laughs) I mean, Aaron, no one likes to feel like they're an idiot, and so he just feels like he's an idiot because people are pointing out that he was an idiot. (laughs) Everyone's going to react defensively when they realize, oh, yes, I was an idiot. He's got to realize by now,
0: though, because everybody points out he's an idiot all the time.
3: Well, but a lot of times it's very subjective things. But when you hoist a man by his own petard on his own words, uh, then it's hard for you to, to kind of use that cognitive dissonance to make yourself blame it on someone else. Right. Blame it on something else. This is literally oh, I said that. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're doing this, and I said that. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot.
4: Yeah. Andrew just used petard and cognitive dissonance in the same sentence. I, I if there's a drinking game, gra- grab your scotch. <laughs> wow. I think we're changing the name of the
2: show to the Smart Cast. No, that's bullshit, Paul. All
3: right. <laughs> we're changing it to Funny Books Incorporated. No, wait.
2: So all of us read the regular Spider-Man book, right? I yep. reckon. Yes. Okay. Yep. And I think it's just Tim and I who – I'm sorry. It's just Wayne and I who read Ultimate Spider-Man. So those of you who are not Ultimate readers, are you all going to read this crossover?
4: Nope.
3: Nope. How many issues? Too many. I have no idea. Seriously? It's going to be like a – all right.
1: It's probably like four or six.
3: I mean if it's a short thing, if if we're talking like two issues of Amazing Spider-Man, I'll probably keep reading. If it's more than that, I'll probably sit out until they get done with it.
0: It looks like it's going to be its own miniseries. It's not going to be in the regular books. Oh, oh I will because the the picture shows Spider-Man issue number two,
3: so it's it's its, its, its own, own separate thing. Yeah, I will not read that miniseries.
0: It is
1: a five-issue series beginning in June 2012.
3: Yeah, I will sit out. I will sit out that miniseries. See, I'm going to read it, and and I'm looking forward to it. I just you know I've got no frame. It's not that I'm opposed to the idea. I don't have the ire Wayne does for it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm not interested in Ultimate Spider-Man, so the story just doesn't appeal to me. But sure. uh, oh, you
0: think you you think you're hearing ire now? If it was still Ultimate Peter Parker instead of Miles Morales, the ire you'd be hearing would be so much greater to have those two characters cross over. It's not even the same Spider-Man that's meeting the uh, the regular universe Spider-Man. So my level of ire, well, it's pretty high. It could be a lot higher.
4: So I just want to, I just, Aaron, uh-huh. you said you're going to pick it up and you said you're going to try it. you're going to, you think you're going to enjoy it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, in three weeks, if somebody gives you an atomic wedgie, uh, you'll know why. <laughs>
2: and,
0: his, and his
4: name might rhyme with Dwayne. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, Aaron
1: picked up a different Spider-Man book this week. Not ultimate, not amazing,
2: but avenging, avenging. Spider-Man. And you know Spider-Man what? Spider-Man number six. Uh, binging Spider-Man number six that's where the Omega effect begins and you know that because it says it right on the cover this is true yeah what does that even mean well there's an effect and it's the Omega effect so it's the you, last effect yeah exactly. you know
0: what it you know what it means Andrew it means I'm gonna skip an issue of Daredevil because I'm not taking part in this crossover
2: but <laughs> it's written by Greg Rucka and Mark Waid Ooh, Mark Waid I do love Mark Wade, but I'm not taking part in a crossover. Uh, this book was so good with art by Marco Cicchetto. Yes. Oh, this You know, the artwork reminded me a lot of what we saw in the uh, Spider-Man Max series. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I just I really – it's a very street-level kind of look to the book, which is appropriate since you got Punisher and Daredevil in it as well. Uh, man. I, I thought this book was was really very good, and all this was was just set up, but uh, I love Spider-Man's inner dialogue as he's trying to figure out who this woman is that's traveling with the Punisher and him thinking about, great, now I'm working with the Punisher. Uh, you know, sarcasm. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't been reading Punisher, you know, basically – um this is a crossover between like aaron said punisher daredevil and spider-man and rather than going into amazing spider-man it goes into avenging spider-man it does go into the regular punisher series and the regular daredevil series um the writers of uh punisher and daredevil mark wade and greg rucka have teamed up Uh, i think marco chiquetto who's the artist on punisher is doing all three issues and uh so you know this is the start of that crossover and it you know, Wayne. I'm sorry you're not reading it because you really should. It's kind of the culmination of everything that Daredevil's been leading up to since yeah. the very beginning. <laughs> um, Daredevil has found a
2: someone has taken a piece of a fantastic fl- uh, that um, You can get that at uh, you know a, a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. I, lo-
4: I
3: love I love flan.
4: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they are done with uh, unstable molecules. They are going flannel.
2: <laughs> yeah, they
4: are. <laughs> technology.
2: It's unstable flan technology, you (laughs) see. We now know what Paul's next character will be in uh,
0: whatever game we play. (laughs) Flannel-based technology. Go.
2: Go. Flan-based technology powers, go! (laughs) It's it's, it's this this custard, thus the unstable molecule. uh,
4: Indeed, indeed. uh, Aren't you glad you showed up today, Paul?
2: (laughs) I am. I'm
1: loving it. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, basically, someone has taken a piece of the... uh, Fantastic Four's costume of, you know, a a Fantastic Four member's costume with the unstable molecules and made a a flash drive out of it, essentially. And the flash drive, since it has unlimited storage space, literally has every piece of information you could possibly want to know on every major criminal organization in the Marvel Universe. Hydra, AIM, um, your mom, (laughs) just all these people. And so everyone's going after Daredevil, since Daredevil, everyone knows Daredevil's Matt Murdock. And you know, basically, Reed Richards has sent Spider-Man to investigate.
3: So, so how much time have they spent with Matt Murdock in the courtroom since issue one?
2: Very little, very little, because because everybody knows, and I throw that in air quotes, uh, that he's Matt Murdock. They're having trouble representing clients, so their practice has taken on uh, advising clients on how to represent themselves.
1: Yes, so you don't see Daredevil in the courtroom, but you do see him advising clients.
2: This this book is co-written by Greg Rucka and Mark Wade, and I think that it is very clear who's writing what in the book. You know the the uh, uh, a lot of like you know what the Punisher says, what the Punisher does is very much straight out of 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 the Greg Rucka uh, you know style of of, of writing and and uh, you know crime stories. (laughs) He uses a word that I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, infilade on the checkpoint. I'm like, that's Raka. Um yeah. <laughs> you, know what, you don't you don't know what inflame means? I, I don't think I've ever seen it in print
1: before. Uh mm-hmm. well I think we need to uh fire Mr. Uh, Aaron from the smart
2: cast. Yep. <laughs> mm. Um you've got uh you know Spider Man with this just very it, it, the, the 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 notes in, in Spider Man's uh, inner dialogue are so amusing, and they are so Spider-Man esque. I mean, it's got Mark Wade written all over it. The sense of humor to Spider-Man is very Mark Wade, uh, and the sensibility around Daredevil is just you know spot on. Uh, I, I love this book. I thought this book was fantastic, and the uh, the artwork by uh, Mister Chiqueto is terrific. I'm thrilled to hear he's going to be writing all three, drawing all three issues.
1: Yeah, and I you know I got, I hate to say it because um, we don't talk about. Well, I don't hate to say it. But you know we don't we haven't talked about the book on the show. Uh-huh. I freaking love the Punisher book.
2: Yeah, I started picking it up after I think you had uh, extolled the virtues of it uh, a couple of months ago, and so I think I'm only on like issue four uh, on that on the current series. But I've really enjoyed what I've read.
1: Yeah, it's really well written, and the art's fantastic, and it's a very different take on the Punisher than I've seen in a while.
2: Yeah, it's a. Uh... This this is a great book. I I'm really excited about this crossover. And what I like about the crossover is that there's a point to it, you know, that we've had this the you know Omega Drive featured. Uh, in Daredevil for a good long while, this isn't something that just popped up, hey, let's do it. The, this is organic to the existing story. It makes sense for Punisher and Daredevil to be in this story together, and it makes sense for Mr. Fantastic to send Spider-Man to go work on this. You know, it, All of this makes sense. This is the way crossovers should work.
1: And it doesn't cross over into Amazing Spider-Man if you're really against it, but yeah. really you. you shouldn't be. Just buy the frickin' book. It's that damn good if you but, like daredevil if you don't like daredevil cuz i got to be honest if you're not following daredevil there's not much for you i think in this book
0: hey, but because this we is love daredevil it's so annoying that that fantastic four you know database of all of you know the daredevil story thing is resolving in this crossover cuz i am so sick of crossovers like this but, this but is, now i'm going to have to go you know, buy it because crossovers
1: like this but this crossover is not crap i mean this is a well-done organic crossover
0: right i mean it's it's by two books that i don't want to buy but now i'm going to because if you say that that's the because this is the story that daredevil's been building up to and i hate to hear that because i can't just skip the daredevil book now for one month because it this is the big story this is what they've been building up to all this time i'm gonna have to go out um, buy Avenging Spider-Man that I don't want to buy, buy Punisher that I don't want to buy, and have you know, and buy Daredevil that I was going to skip for one month to avoid the crossover. Well, Wayne, so three because books for the story that should be contained within Daredevil, because I'm- it's been built up in Daredevil.
1: <laughs> well, because because you're whining so much, Uh-oh. I will give you my free digital code that came with my copy of Avenging Spider-Man number six, and you don't have to pay for it.
0: I really appreciate
1: that.
4: <laughs> I'm happy now.
1: Is that, le- is that legal? Um, I don't see why not. It's a free digital code. It's not like I paid for it.
4: It's not street legal, Andrew. Don't get caught by the cops.
1: When I'm, <laughs> I'm not posting the code to Pirate Bay or anything. I am sharing it with a
3: friend.
4: No, Paul, Paul you said you were going to Wayne. Wait a minute.
3: <laughs> no, I'm sharing is it Wayne you. or some friend? I don't understand.
4: <laughs> Words. <laughs> Now, See, now,
0: Paul made me all happy, and then Tim wouldn't hurt my feelings.
4: Oh, I do.
3: Welcome to the show.
4: <laughs> well, if you were, if you weren't, if you're were more like a man, like Scarlet Spider, you wouldn't have feelings to hurt Wayne.
3: That's true. No, it's just that Scarlet Spider does have feelings—angry feelings, rage. He has lots of rage. He has lots of guilt. He has got that too, which helps fuel his rage.
0: And fuel his puking in the bathroom because he feels guilt. I just thought maybe I'm he had
2: some bad oysters.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Or he was <laughs> thought he was pregnant. I thought that that, did, that didn't occur to me, but this book is so so so
0: good. I every issue, I keep thinking it's going to fall apart at some point, and it doesn't. It just keeps getting better and better and better.
2: Yeah, the artwork by uh, by Ryan Stegman is off the charts good. I, I I I am so jazzed about the uh, artwork on the page. I, I, I'm I thoroughly digging it. Thoroughly digging it. And I love I mean, I don't know where Ryan Stegman lives or, or how he's done his research, but he's he's drawing actual places in Houston, you know, where the story is set, which is always nice to see. You know, it's just not generic city. He's really, you know, applied a sensibility of the setting. Totally dig it. And why Scarlet Spider isn't using a sword all the time? I don't know. Yeah, especially when he can be invisible and use a sword, and you know, I just mean, cut the dude's leg off. I mean, just I off. love that.
0: I love that they keep showing us that this is not Ben <laughs> Riley and this is not Peter Parker. His fighting style is completely different, and he's willing to do things like cut someone's leg off or Bright the, the obvious. <laughs> yeah, the obvious answer to a guy that says, "I can pull any gun I want out of." thin air. You break his hands so he can't fire a trigger. Yeah. I mean it's well, that's, this yeah that's solution. Com- that, common sense. Yeah, and he does it. I mean you wouldn't see Peter Parker
2: do that. But it's the obvious solution. It's
0: what I you mean, should
3: do. Peter Parker's addicted to doing things the hard way.
2: Well and I, I just I just love that the, the guy's fingers are just mangled after that, you know <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Look what you did in my hands
2: I, just, I I love that and then the little girl who, you know kicks his ass with her teddy bear
1: see you know and i like the art on the book i have to be honest though i'd almost prefer art like what we saw in avenging spider-man
0: i think that would fit more with this book it's it would certainly be more gritty mm-hmm. yeah well, i mean i, I think
1: the, they're trying to go for a gritty story let's say,
0: and i don't want the grittier art i mean if you described the me uh, our avenging spider-man art to in this last issue at least to look like the uh the old Max title of Spider-Man, that's not what I want in a in a book as a regular series. I love this art and I love the crisp cleanness to it.
1: I mean, I don't disagree. I love the, the art. I just feel like it is a it's it's very. I feel like the character should have grittier art. I mean, they're, they're, it seems like they're going for a grittier storyline, you know, with this character. I, I I almost think the art doesn't necessarily match.
2: See, I like the, the, I like the contrast to it, though, because, you know, you, you expect a Spider-Man story to be, you know, bouncy and fun. So I like the contrast between the, the grittiness of the story, but the brightness of the illustration. I kind of like that. I, I, I like the, how, how those two, uh, you know, counterpose each other.
1: I guess I will give it to you, Aaron.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of what I love about the art
0: on Invincible. I mean, that's a story where the art is all happy and bouncy Yet horrible, grotesque, bloody things happen. Yeah,
2: the contrast is good sometimes. Well, I am so digging Scarlet Spider, and I just love how unique his voice is. You know, in this in this book, I, I just thoroughly digging it.
1: Yeah, you could be right. I don't know. I mean, again, I like the. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I like the art. I, you know, I'm not complaining about the art. I just feel like there could be a more appropriate for the story type art. Um, you know, but one art style that matches perfectly with the story. Is Brian Hitch with Jonathan Ross's story in America's Got Powers, which oh, issue number one, an oversized issue for two ninety nine, came out this week from Image Comics.
2: This book was amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love this book. <laughs> was it avenging?
1: It. Are we gonna look, hold on? What, what other? Uh, it was, was it,
3: it was spectacular. It was <laughs> ultimate. ultimate. It was the ultimate.
4: <laughs> it was uncanny.
3: <laughs> it was astonishing. <laughs> It was almost a journey into a mystery that I wanted to take.
1: (laughs) I I don't have anything. Uh, American (laughs) Powers and Robin. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: All right, Aaron, go ahead.
2: You know, uh, sometimes Brian Hitch is a little hit and miss for me. Like I loved him on Ultimates, but there have been some other things that I've not been a big fan of. Um, He was all. Over this book, I mean the, the the sense of power in the book. Uh, there was a lot of weight to the pages. Just totally dug this. I he, he's done a fantastic job of creating a unique world. Um, and this is a world where people have developed. Uh, people born on a certain day, you know, this uh, incident occurs. The folks who were born on that day, all but one of them, are born with with superpowers, and so the world has created this game show, reality show, uh, for these folks to compete to be on a team, and that's kind of the basis of this. So you know, it's it's kind of like uh, your America's Got Talent or your uh, uh, American Idol competition, uh, you know, to be on you know the big the big super team. And this book—I you know, I don't like reality shows. I don't like you know this that kind of programming. But this book was outstanding. So when I heard the
0: concept of it, I was kind of bothered by that. It's like, would something like this, you know, why would it, something like this even come about? But then, as you read the book, you see explanations for it. Before they had the show of America's Got Powers, essentially the city was being destroyed by these people just fighting it out. And that's why the government stepped in, and they create this reality programming show as a way to keep people in line, because yeah. there are so many people with powers that just the uh, the turf wars had become too much.
2: Yeah, it's a, it was a way to control the super the superpowered people, and you know, uh, entertainment. It's
1: you know for anyone who who's trying to kind of get a grasp here. The story concept is very similar to like rising stars or even heroes, that there's some type of cataclysmic event that causes this entire generation to have superpowers. Um, But, you know, obviously they loop in the reality TV element of, you know, obviously you can tell by the title America's got powers. I I mean, I'm with you guys. I I loved the hell out of this book. Uh, I thought Brian Hitch was on point. I, I you know at first I thought I was gonna dislike the book because I got halfway into the book I'm like why is it that none of these characters have any type of recognizable look mm-hmm. like the character designs just kind of felt uninteresting to me for the heroes you know for the the right. super powered people right and you know when you get to the end of the story you realize it's because those aren't the main characters right mm-hmm. you know um and I think that the end the ending of the book hooked me even more than the first half of the book the last oh, yeah. half of the book just got me in you know i I was hooked
0: there are a lot of characters in the book that aren't actually characters i mean the main characters are the fully fleshed out characters and there are a lot of characters that are just there for the setting that are in the background and one of the ideas behind the main character the at least the character i consider to be the actual main character is that this whole city full of people all of these babies are born they all have powers but he doesn't and it starts off with this idea of why why is this one guy not get powers when everyone else in his situation had powers and that's the character they really start to develop and i uh, i like the i liked that as the beginning but the end of the first issue was also very satisfying too Mm -hmm. it was a nice cliffhanger to end on
1: it was it it sounds kind of shitty of me to say uh, because i read another mark miller book this week secret service right which i you know i actually quite enjoyed but it felt like a mark
4: miller book but well written (laughs) (laughs) i uh, I, I must say that the, the um The the writing was such that I was invested very very early. Same
2: here, yeah. I
4: you know I I think the art style works for for the story that it's telling, and um you know there there's a lot of nice building blocks that they've already put up. So yeah I I love this book.
1: Yeah, and Jonathan Ross, who's the writer, wrote a, a series called Turf. Yeah. Um, that was like gangsters versus monsters versus aliens or something like that. Supposedly really good. I, I enjoyed the first issue, but I didn't finish the series. So I might pick it up in trade. But America's Got Powers, damn, run out and buy it. Um, well, now, it's, Full yeah. disclosure, is this what you were going to say? Probably. About the digital stuff? Yeah, it is not a
2: digital-friendly book. the I, the, the, the book spends a whole lot of time – on two-page spreads, which don't translate well to a digital platform, um, that's
4: why I like it more.
2: <laughs> I, uh-huh. you know, I got our um, press copy, and you know, really enjoyed it. But I mean, you really had to kind of work for the the page flow on it. Um, so I looked at it at the comic shop, and it is a much better print read than a digital read. And you know, so one of the things I'd really love to know is if that was intentional. Was you know because I know Brian Hitch loves to work on the big two page spreads. Um, I wonder if there was a conversation that occurred. You know, like, let's let's just own it in print. Let's not you know try and make it digital friendly because um, well, you know so many books right now are looking at let's draw for the digital medium versus let's draw for print and then make it work in digital because um, it really doesn't work well in, the, in the, on the digital platform at all.
1: Well, I think that maybe it works it might work okay with a guided view.
2: Yeah, but think about how small some of those pages are going to look on your guided oh,
1: view. I can agree. Well, I don't and here's the thing. Sometimes with the with the two-page spreads on guided view, you don't even get the full Full right. two page spread. You get this piece of it, and then right. you know it navigates your eye to where, you know, it almost feels like four different panels rather than a two page spread because you're only seeing bits of it. Right. Um, and I wonder if that's how this is. You know, the the copies we get are like Aaron said, they're PDF versions. So you know, we're looking at full pages. We're not, or, or you know, we're not looking at a guided view. Um, you know, but I, I because of your recommendation or your suggestion that this was not a digital comic, I just went ahead and bought it. I mean, it was three dollars. Yeah. It was an oversized book. And because I think it was 40 pages for three bucks, um, you know, Brian Hitch art, which can be good. <laughs> like you said, I don't think I've enjoyed it since the Ultimates. Um, I think some of his work on the Avengers has downright sucked. Well, I think you've
2: really got to have for Brian Hitch. He is. If you've got the right anchor with him and the right colorist, his work is fantastic.
1: And time. I mean, it sounds like he needs. Yeah, he some, does.
2: He does require some lead time. Yeah, but this book was beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, from beginning to end. Yeah. Um I highly recommend it. Yeah, same here. I I totally dug this book. Now, another
1: book not from the big 2 that you guys seem to be enjoying is Superbia, oh, um, yeah. which I guess is like desperate housewives with superpowers. Yes. Well, yes, that,
3: basically desperate there's
2: housewives don't have superpowers. They're married to folks with super, with superpowers. Yes, yes. <laughs> Correct.
0: Right. You know and that that's one book that uh despite us getting you know getting our press copies I went out and bought the first issue too cuz I really wanted to support this book. It is it, the first issue was just so good that I had to have a physical copy too. Well well Wayne what do you think about the second issue? I am still reading the second issue as we speak. I'm on page 22 of 24. Aaron what do you <laughs> think
3: about the second issue?
2: <laughs> I thought, I I thought it was a nice follow up to number 1. Uh, you know, the creepy scene of, uh, oh gosh, I forget the, 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 na- the name of Sovereign. The, no, the, 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 woman who's brand new to the group. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she wakes up and there's her husband just, you know, battered, beaten and bloody, uh, laying in bed.
0: Oh, naked. that scene it, was so impactful. It is. She's talking to us, like, "Why didn't you wake me up when you came in?" and then pulls the sheet off It's like, "Oh yeah, you're bitching at someone that's beaten and bloody
3: yeah yeah she's you know she they're newlyweds, and yeah. you know he he's just come back for his first mission with the Meta Legion, and uh, you know she's in this little you know." thing and uh she's like like crawling over like hey why'd you wake me up quit hogging the sheets and she pulls him off And you go to this full page spread of his just mangled body he's still got his boots on you know, Yeah, he's got blood oozing out and there's just a gun laying on the floor next to him you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah blood and he starts to wake floor i mean yeah he starts to wake up and she's like no no uh go go back to bed just no, you're go good. back to bed yeah it's all good now, that,
2: now, you know, what she really should have done is, hey, baby, could you take Trash out? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I really don't think I do that. <laughs>
4: uh, my my favorite part was when the one wife uh, confronted the gay lover. Yes. Oh, yes.
3: <laughs> when the Night Fox's wife confronts uh, Agent Twilight. Yeah, yeah that,
4: was, that was pretty good.
3: <laughs> I like the little box text. You know, he's under the car and, you know, it's a, it says, you know, Gio uh, Taviani, a.k.a. Agent Twilight. Night Fox's uh, crime-fighting partner. Gentleman Acrobat, as worth, worthy of Abercrombie, stuck in the closet for love. <laughs>
0: I, I think know, this, this book is so good at dialogue. I mean, the conversations between these characters are what really keep it going, because it's not a big, at least up to this point, it hasn't been a big superhero action book. No. You have you have things like, you. we don't know what happened. Why the... Uh, the new guy got so bloody and broken from his first time out because that's not what the story is about. The story is about his wife finding him bloody and broken.
2: Yeah. Well, and I particularly dig the scene in the backyard with the two kids, Oh yeah. you know, with the, with the spear chucking
3: with his, with her, with her boy child.
2: Uh huh. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I just, I'm totally digging this book. Now, did we decide, is this a mini or is this an ongoing?
3: I was told by people smarter than me that it's a miniseries. I have a hard time believing that there are people smarter than you, Andrew. But Paul told me it's a miniseries. Like Paul's smarter
1: than. You. I am it, so smarter than Andrew. <laughs> it is a
0: four-issue miniseries. Uh, that uh, breaks my heart. If you, mine too, because it's been so good.
1: What the hell? But, you guys believe Wayne, but you don't believe me. I believe you. You have a credibility issue, Paul.
0: Just saying. <laughs> if you look at the copyright page, it says Grace Rudolph Superbia number two of four.
3: What'd you guys think about the the creepy sovereign scene when Hella's freaking out, so he takes her to the lower atmosphere so she'll pass out? Yeah, that's that's a little uh you know
2: that's a little <laughs> well, I mean,
4: That's I'm, not what I got. I got he takes her up there and he's not right enough in the head to realize that she can't breathe.
3: <laughs> that, that could be too, but but how about his statement of "you're mine"? Yeah, yeah. Again, this this character is not super bad.
0: He's he's Plutonian. much more like yeah, he's much more like Plutonian from uh, Iradema oh,
3: after me before the fall. Yeah, before the snap. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He yeah. is all about himself, and he's he's egotistical. He's he knows what he wants, and he's going to take it. And it's only a matter of time before this guy goes bad.
4: It was fairly cool watching Hella like talk back to Crosstalk or whatever. <laughs> like, of course, you would say that.
3: <laughs>
4: that was just pretty good. I, I love this book.
3: Yeah, no, book it, it, it is. is terrific. It's great. Uh, Grace Randolph I, again. I'm looking through her stuff. She hasn't done a whole lot, but this is just a home run from her. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But I got, but you know, I gotta say, all in all, this week has been really. It was a really good week because um, I, I I got Batman and Robin, uh, number eight this week, and I I really dug it. Yeah, I
1: uh, I'm with you, Tim. I thought this book was fantastic. Uh, I know I know there were some art issues that Andrew's going to complain about, <laughs> but, but story wise and emotion wise, uh, I I thought this was right on point with. Like Fantastic Four, which we'll talk about later. Just a fantastic book.
0: Okay, let me caveat this first by saying I enjoyed the book, too. I enjoyed every book I read this week, actually. And I did think it was a good book, and I am continuing on with Batman and Robin after this. But I don't buy this portrayal of Bruce Wayne. He should have been angrier that Damien killed someone he's we have seen that that is the one line you don't cross we've seen how he treats people that come close to crossing that line yes it's his son and i'm giving him a lot more slack because it is his son and that he's be he'd feel more you know like he had failed well it's not just but his he son it's, letting-
2: it's, he's also an 8 year old son
0: yeah. He yeah. is letting Damien off way too easy for this. No one other than Damien and I accept this because he's a son and that's why it's different. No one other than Damien would ever get to put on the Robin costume again if Bruce had watched him kill someone.
2: No, but I don't think he's letting him off that easy. I mean, you know, Damien asks him, he says, How do I make amends? And he says, You can't. You will remember what happens on that boat every day. I mean I think that I don't think he's letting him off easy at all.
4: I think yeah. it's more. You know what I get? It, I get it. it's more of the fact that Bruce realizes if he takes that hard stance, Wayne, he's going to push Damian away.
2: That's right. Yeah, I, that's right. I, I, yep. That's
4: exactly why. Because like, yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if anybody else had done that in a Robin costume, their ass would beat. Their ass would be pink slipped.
2: Because he's that. not Dick Grayson, and he's not Jason Todd. He is. He is a completely different guy. You know, he knows that if if he takes the hard line with him, he's gone. You know, yep. and then you've lost him forever because he becomes that villain that you're afraid he'll become.
1: Well, yep. and here's one thing that I think the art sells: it, he's not angry; he's like devastated emotionally that his son did it.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, because he, he was beginning to have faith in him, and you know, this entire time has all been about, you know, when he found from when he found those drawings in in Wayne Manor to, to to the culmination here. I think he's just been like emotionally distraught about it. Not angry, just you know, like he he didn't he, he didn't see it coming. Which is, you know, surprising for Batman,
2: you know? Well and what one of the things that I enjoyed about it is that there was a there was a moment where I thought maybe Damien was playing him. You know, that that he wasn't genuinely upset about what he had done and that, that he wasn't genuinely contrite uh, and wanting to make amends. So I kept expecting, you know, like that scene where he wanders off to, to with the dog to go get the ball, you know, and I, and I was like, oh, we're going to see a scene where he's, you know, cutting his eyes off to the side or something and, you know, a little quirk of a smile. But you don't see that. You see that, you know, he, he – is genuinely invested in this, you know, small moment between he and Bruce, and then there's the bat signal, and they both got to go back to work. I, I just, I think the story was very well done, and damn it, Paul, <laughs> mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, it's there was a the whole write up in the back of the book about you know the uh, night of owls, yeah, mm-hmm. and as well as this story came off, I'm like, damn it, damn it. They're gonna get. They're gonna hook me into this Night of Owls thing. I mean, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I, and I, I don't, was
0: upset about the Night of Owls thing in the back too, because this is the only Batman book I'm still reading. I've dropped all the others. Oh, and hey, now here's a storyline that's gonna run through all of the Batman books. Well, uh, oh hey. Here's Red Robin on the uh, oh, the cover to Dark yeah. Knight. I have I to buy half, that now.
4: Yeah, I got a little <laughs> half-chub when I saw Dark Knight, Knight. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes! Yeah. Well, and what I've read
1: about the Night of the Owls crossover, the Night of the Owls crossover is one month. I mean, it is it, it is a night of the owls. I mean, right. it takes place <clears> in one night. It ha- Next month, every Batman book, and they were given a choice. I think the only one that abstained from participating was Batwoman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every writer's writing their own book. And they were able, you know, they're like, if you want to do a Night of the Owls crossover, go for it. But you don't have to. And all of them wanted to participate. And basically, you know, if you haven't been reading the Night of the Owls, Owls storyline, uh, the Court of the Owls storyline, um, you know, it's like this this group of, you know, this underground group in Gotham that has existed for hundreds of years right. um, that, that has ties to Haley's Circus. Uh, so spoiler warnings on, um, you know, Haley's Circus apparently was a, a breeding ground. From the very beginning for this group of assassins, the Court of Owls, and Dick Grayson was originally supposed to be trained to be um, one of the owls until his parents died and Bruce Wayne took him from the circus. Right. Huh. Um, so that was revealed last issue in Batman, and so it's kind of created this tension between them because Dick Grayson – technically was supposed to be one of these bad guys uh so that's what's happening in Nightwing and batman right now
2: well uh, no. <laughs> I, I, as somebody who is just so strongly opposed to this whole night of the owls thing dc has done a remarkable job uh selling me on this they they have they have marketed this very well much better than say john carter uh God, was
0: marketing
3: <laughs> <laughs> me to it <laughs>
4: That was well done, I mean, Aaron. I think
0: it's a given that Tim and I will both be buying uh, Dark Knight number nine just because we saw Red Robin on the cover.
4: I can't spend my money fast enough.
0: <laughs> no, but, oh my god! But I mean, you know, I, mean, I don't think you need to
1: read the whole crossover. I think each story is going to tell a different. Yeah, each from what I hear, you know, because there's a bunch of different owls, and they come from the they they're like immortal warriors.
2: And there's so, so there's like the spotted owl
1: the uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, great horned uh, owl. <laughs> but no, there's like the '70s owl, I guess, and uh, the you know they're they're like different out. eras of time owl, and so each writer is writing a different owl. They they chose what owl, what era they wanted the owl from, and so. There's I don't the owl with the kung fu action grip. Yeah, so I, I don't think you need to read everything. I think you can read Batman and Robin, and with a basic understanding of the plot line, you know, just here's a villain that they're fighting in a done in one issue.
4: You know, given that storyline, even Nightwing sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> See, that's that's how insidious this is, Tim. Yeah, but
1: here's the good. You know, here's the good thing about it, and I've read all first date issues of Nightwing. It only got good when that was revealed at the end. <laughs> um, you know, and, and and honestly, you can get that all from just reading Batman because the the, the same storyline is told from different points of view in Batman Eight and Nightwing Eight, and I think Batman did a better job of it. But I I like I like that concept. You know, I, I you know it, it's it's it kind of takes the whole Haley Circus thing and it makes it interesting because you got to be honest, the circus thing just never been a fan of like Aaron.
3: So, now, I mean, now, how many titles is that, Paul? How many titles is what? Uh, Night of the Owls.
1: It crosses over into every Batman title except Batwoman.
3: But and plus, like, it's but, also
0: its own miniseries.
1: No, it's not a miniseries.
0: Yes, well, Night of the Owls: The Culling, a six six brand new. It's part of the six brand new series they're launching in May.
1: Uh, I think Nightwing: The Culling is just a backup feature in Batman.
0: Uh, no, Night, Night of the Owls: The Culling. It is one of the six brand new miniseries they're launching because they list five other miniseries.
3: Well, now I know. I don't know who to believe.
4: You can't yeah, that's believe a, either one of them. Well, that's 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 right off of the book, though. That's like if you go to the back <laughs> of Batman and Robin, you'll see like the covers for all of the all the Night of the Owl stuff. Wayne's reading the article that's right next to it.
3: You see in the digital copy, we don't get that
4: after yeah, digital copy, right? <laughs> which
3: is top. weird. No, but seriously, you think they would want to market that? Yeah, to, yeah, I don't know to, why to... they don't include at least their
2: own advertisements As, in the yeah. uh, in the things. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, they well let me actual, actual physical copy. I I have I have a confession to make. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Um. I I I really like Kieran Gillen, and I find. Are you going to transition away before I can talk about Batman or Robin? Did you need to talk about Batman and Robin? I apologize.
3: Well, I haven't said anything about
2: it. I'm sorry. I I've
3: got, I've still got words too, so go ahead, Andrew. Okay, go okay. ahead. I'm sorry. All right. So I you know this was a better, much better issue than than seven, and I think that's because there was no fighting. I. I didn't have any issues with art because I don't there was no fighting. And I think Paul's right. It's it's a great touching story. I I understand kind of Bruce's reaction and, and his response to what Damien's done. Uh, and and I, I, I just don't know how they're going to go out and fight owls after. Uh, and, Do you see how many marks there are on their bodies? They both have concussions. <laughs> just saying they need a night in.
0: They and the art was perfect for the story they were telling.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I think. I think as long as there's no fighting I I don't have any problems with the art.
4: There was there was a there was a panel where uh Damien is riding piggyback all broken and Bruce is carrying him out of out of the you know, off off the boat. Holy crap. That was a great picture.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, like the pictures at the end with uh Damien out with the dog and Alfred sitting there smiling while he's sipping his tea. It's it's just it's gorgeous and uh, I, I just don't think they do action well on it.
0: Well, it, even besides that, there is one panel in here. There's my favorite panel in the entire book. It's Bruce looking over at the Robin suit in the glass case. I don't think I have ever seen that suit be done more justice than in that, that panel. I mean, just the looking over at the old Robin suit memorialized in glass there the art was perfect for
3: that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was great as well. Tim, any last thoughts on Batman no, Robin? I'm good. All right, Aaron, tell us why you're disappointed in Kieran Gillen as a human being.
2: I I I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that I I am a huge fan of Kieran Gillen. And uh I I love the way he writes. He has just, you know, such a unique way of expressing himself. And I find that in Kieran Gillen's books, unlike other people's books, I find that I read them out loud really i do i and i i find <laughs> the the opening page and i i and I also find that I really enjoy his you know one page openers to his stories i mean they're the every single one of these issues of journey into mystery has had this these fantastic openings and so i'm going to read to you the first page of journey into mystery number 636 and it takes place in the dream dimension it focuses on nightmare you know the character nightmare Nightmare knew uh, no earthly fire could melt the fierce stuff, so he stalked his kingdom until he found the two new lovers separated for the first time. In their frustrated passion, he found his furnace. Nightmare knew no earthly tool was hard enough to shape the fierce stuff, so he found a father on his deathbed, drifting in and out of sleep. He dismissed his crying daughter, with whom he had not spoken for fifty years, deciding he will never speak to her again. And with that hard will, that blunt, stupid, heavy tool, Nightmare went to work. Nightmare knew no earthly liquid could quench the heat of such a forging, so he found the dreams of one who spent the day crouching at the bottom of a comments thread, muttering a guttural belch of, meh, with the wettest (laughs) of blankets. Nightmare found a strong enough quenchant. To tame the heat, it is an impossible crafting, so only in his dream realm of the impossible can Nightmare hope to forge it. I just – this guy has got such a mastery of words. I can't help myself I read this book out, out loud. Yeah, I just love the way they sound.
4: Yeah, the whole book is like that. Yeah. He has recap pages where I've read every every issue in the last two arcs. I have to read the recap page because it's hysterical.
2: Well, and, you know, like this one <laughs> is the elder god, you know, who's fashioned after Cthulhu is given the recap. And because he's an elder god, he's written like an old man. And literally the last statement he makes on the page is, and get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> <Love> <laughs> it. Like, I, and, you know. You know you're reading through this thing, and you know a lot of times, particularly in Marvel Books, the fight at the cosmic level or at the very you know high god level a lot of times that just doesn't interest me very much and Kieran Gillen has this amazing solution to telling that part of this that part of the story, and it is a game page i mean they that you flip over and it's this double page spread of a game board, and it's you know. The Uncivil War of the Fear Lords by Loki. And it has rules and the die and the random table and cards. And I mean, it is hysterical. I, I mean, I'm sitting there going, you know, if I had more, more prep time, I would run this at Fear the Con. <laughs> <laughs> I would run the Uncivil War of the Fear Lords at Fear the Con.
1: I, I enjoyed that very much, that that center spread. Because uh-huh. you know, you know, when I look through it in the comic shop, you open to the center spread, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but when you're reading it in the story, it just fits so perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is what scares me is that they're going to make Lo- – they're going to turn Loki back. I-, I fear that they're going to turn Loki back to what he was uh, before he was young Loki.
1: And then I'm out of Thor completely. I yeah, mean, same than- here. But Same you know, if when Loki goes bad, I'm I'm gone because this is the Loki I'm interested in.
2: Oh, I love this guy. I just I got of – I just I completely love this guy. And but I would be know, very I, don't.
4: I would be very upset if Matt Fraction not only chased me from Thor, but decided he was going to hose young Loki
2: too. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I just you know, have this dread fear that they're going to reset him. And I mean, I'm just I, I so enjoy this book,
1: and I'm really worried because you know, I mean, of course Loki is the villain in the Avengers movie, right? You know, and I mean, young Loki premiered around the time of the Thor movie. So, I mean, I guess they don't have to tie in, but I'm I'm just concerned that they're going to think people want to see Bat Loki. And so we're eventually going to get Bat Loki. Yeah. And I I really hope that's not the case. You know, I know we give Matt Fraction a hard time, but damn it, if he didn't create a character that I really, really love. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, light a candle at mass, do what you got to do. But, you know, we've got it. We've got to keep our young Loki. (laughs)
1: But do you know what else we need to keep, Aaron? What's that, Paul? One of our current national treasures.
2: (laughs) Jonathan Hickman?
1: Jonathan Hickman. Mm -hmm. We have a Jonathan Hickman three-way going on this week.
2: (sighs) A trifecta. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Jonathan had three books released this week: Manhattan Projects Number Two, which actually may be a next week book. I don't know.
2: I think it is a Se- next week
1: book. It's All right, so we're gonna spoil it. Uh, Manhattan Projects Number Two from next week, Secret Number One from this week, and Fantastic Four Number Six Hundred Five. Um, I, I think we'll start off with the two image books. Uh, Aaron, you ha you did not start reading Manhattan Projects until this issue. That's uh, right. But I know you got caught up. So this book seems up your alley.
2: It really you? is. It is. It is whole heart up my alley. Uh, really enjoy you know the the conspiracy aspect to the book. You know, and Jonathan Hickman, he, he's got a real knack for writing conspiracy stuff. From Secret Warriors to Shield, uh, you know, he is all about you know uh, riddles wrapped in conundrums wrapped inside you know uh, nougat. Uh, I mean. Th- he he's really got a knack for that, and that's what Manhattan Projects is all about. You know, we know about the Manhattan Project, which was you know the project to build the atomic bomb. In this story, that was the one they let us know about. But there's all this other crap going on. Um, in the first issue, we find out that uh, Doctor Oppenheimer has a twin brother, and that Doctor Oppenheimer that we know isn't who we think he is. That he is actually the evil twin who ate the Dr. Oppenheimer that we know. Um, it th- The story is very much leading to we're building this team of evil scientists. Uh, evil Albert Einstein, for instance. Um, I just totally dig in this book.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I,
2: I gotta agree with Tim, though. I hate DR. You know, I didn't, I, the reason why I didn't read Manhattan Projects Number One when we talked about it in the first show is I had a hard time getting into the artwork. But once I got through the first half of that story, it started working for me.
1: Uh, you know, but I think it needs someone more like a, a Scott Wegner or a Mike Minola yeah. or even and, a Duncan Figueroa, someone and, and, who has that sensibility. I think would work better.
2: Well, and it's funny that you that you mentioned Scott Wegner because this is very much the the evil opposite of Atomic Robo. You know, Atomic Robo is, is is a pulp book, and this this very much has that pulp feeling to it. But it is, you know, whereas Atomic Robo is all about goodness and light, this is about you know dark secrets and the dark people who work amongst them. And but it's still that same type of genre. Uh, I absolutely get what you're saying. I mean, I, I think I think it would it would look very nice with a with Scott Wegner uh, writing on sure. that, but. uh uh, I, I I did groove to the art ultimately. But you know what book had, I thought, the, the Hickman book that had great writing
1: and great art was Secret Number One. Yeah. God damn, this book was awesome.
2: Yeah, uh, Secret Number One was really very strong. And I wasn't sure when I started it if I was going to dig it. You know, um, there is a tonal aspect to it that reminds me of Thief of Thieves. Which I don't much care for. It just be, and the reason. And let me back up and say, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman's Thief of Thieves um, just is too decompressed. There's not enough happening in each issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret though has a lot going on, and the, with the opening page where it's all monochrome with the exception of the bad guy being painted in red, yeah. um, is awfully cool. I mean, I think it's I think it's a nice design uh, aspect. And you know you kind of get to know the guy who's being brutalized, you know, throughout the story. And this book was really very good. And it's not a superhero book. This is a an, an espionage book.
1: Yeah, and, and there's two Jonathan Hickmans, right? There's balls out Jonathan Hickman, which we, <laughs> which we got with Manhattan Projects, right? And then there's slow burn Jonathan Hickman, yeah. And I think Secret is more the slow burn, Jonathan Hickman. But, like you said, the characters, there's a character investment there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is, you know, much like Manhattan Projects, it is a dark book. Yeah. But, and, and we haven't really said what it's about. It's about a security agency that seems like it's actually messing with its clients to get it's messing with people to get business I, I mean that seems like what's happening here but i know there's more to it but just a, a, a you know i, I don't want to ruin too much of it because i knew nothing going in and you know at the end of the book I, i'm 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 ready for issue two
2: yeah and you know sometimes you know, when you're not having all the big superhero fighting on the page and whatnot i think that that Comics that aren't telling superhero stories have a hard time holding your attention. I think it's a, it's a it's a more challenging uh, task for the artist to make sure that the pages are visually interesting when you don't have wild costumes and you don't have all the the, the power effects and explosions and chases and whatnot. And I, I think that that uh, the artwork on this book demonstrates the, a, a fantastic. Uh, knack for visual design and the layouts and the storyboarding because you know he's using the color to help tell the story and to keep the eye interested he is you know he there are dramatic uh framing and they're not hero shots you know it's not that very you know uh over the head kind of shot it's just the 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 angles are interesting and the stories they're telling like for instance in the torture scene i think on like page three You're seeing a part of the torture. You get a hint of what's going on through a reflection in in a window, but in the foreground, you've got pictures of this guy and his family. You know, so you see what he's got to lose. You see what risk is there for him, and you can see the horrible thing going on in the background. And again, the color is used to help tell that part of the story. I think it's fantastic. I I just, I, I can't wait to read issue number two. Paul
1: yeah and i, I I'm, I'm just listening to you because I mean I, I, I agree with every word you say I really do I, I just I, I can't recommend this book enough. yeah it's
2: worth giving a shot. And know? what the hell's up with Jonathan Hickman these days? because I, I mean he he is rocking the hell out of his uh, his creator own stuff and then you've got fantastic Four number 605 that he just rocked this thing. This was my book of the week. yeah yeah I well and let's had, let's start with the cover. I love that cover that Ron Garney cover with uh, the thing and franklin uh you know going you know back it, backed up next to the headstones for for uh Reed and sue i, I this is it this is in my file for uh, contender for cover of the year. I love that cover, yeah, I mean I
0: didn't have a clue what the story was going to be about yeah. based on the cover. I thought this was going to be a Ben
2: and Franklin story, yeah, well, and but- there was a little part of me little part of me, so was a little disappointed that it wasn't. I enjoyed the story. I got a big kick out of the story. Um, I like that it wound up being a different type of buddy story than what the cover told you it was going to be. You know? Yeah. I mean, this was a Ben story, a
0: Ben and Reed story more than yeah. anything else, but, but a Ben story, and I it was chilling. Yeah. It was – the character moments, the character developments – the conversations, everything about this book made it my book of the week, yeah. without there being any real action, only one fight scene in there that didn't
2: matter for anything i mean yeah no i th- this chillingly was chillingly good yeah this this book was just terrific in that you know it had that fantastic element that you would expect to find in a fantastic four book, you know it had that that far flung you know science adventure kind of thing, and then you had this very you know you kind of – as the story is moving forward, you realize what it is Reed's looking for You because know, you yeah, don't really so, have a sense of what he's looking for as they first venture off into the future. A yeah. bit of a spoiler without destroying everything about the
0: book, because the, you really can't talk about this without talking about at least that one little bit of a spoiler here. Mm-hmm. The, the serum that Val and them had created for, for Ben that lets him turn human for one week a year – has a side effect that they didn't expect. That one week a year is the only time Ben ages. So Ben is going to live to be thousands of years old now because they gave him that serum. And that is the basis for the story. Seeing Ben through all of this time as Reed and Frank and uh, Nathan travel through time into the future. You see these checkpoints in Ben's life as he gets older and older and the world changes and... You get is to it, see who Ben
2: really is. Yeah. Well, is and this, how he how he. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim.
4: I was just going to ask, as somebody who hasn't read this book, is this something that's like kind of like one and done?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
4: Really interesting.
0: Yeah. It, it is, is it, a it mm-hmm. is a very good one and done. Well, I um, highly recommend it.
4: It's Between
1: probably now and my th- favorite issue of his run, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron, but I think this is probably my favorite issue of Hickman's run.
2: Yeah. Well, and the the uh, stories between now and the fall when Hickman finishes his run on Fantastic Four are primarily going to be one and done stories. Um, and I, I, that's fantastic. I mean, the the I, I like that kind of storytelling, particularly enjoyed this book. I, I just I, I think this is a standout kind of story. And I got to tell you, I want him to go back and tell tell more future things stories. I want to see I'd, I, I would pay money. I would pay I would spend Tim's money <laughs> on a a mini series on a mini series of the thing in Franklin. You know, uh, from from the future, just out there doing stuff. You know, I mean I just that cover I just jazzed me so hard. Uh I, I I'd love to see that.
0: It was funny. When I first read this, I was going through thinking that's way too much time. The math can't be right. So I sat down and I actually did all the math on it. And, yeah, that that works out right. If he would 100 years aging only a week at a time would last for five thousand two hundred years. You know, Ben probably doesn't make it to 100, but doing the math. Yeah, it really is that long of a time.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'd imagine Hickman's a smart guy. I'd imagine he probably did the math himself. And yeah, you because know, I was like six thousand AD, really. Yeah,
0: but, yeah. And so I, I said so. I did the math because it just it seemed like that had to be too long for living a week a year. But I did the math and it it works out perfectly. Yeah. Well, just a fantastic
1: book. Really, yeah. you know, we we read a lot of great books this week. Definitely recommend Fantastic Four six hundred five. All you need is a base understanding of who the Fantastic Four are.
2: Well, and that first page tells you everything you need to know because it even updates you on the whole serum uh, part of the story. So, yeah, no, if you just want to try your hand at Fantastic Four, that's a book to jump in on.
1: It's totally worth it just to see Brick Beard. I mean, (laughs) his his beard is made out of brick.
2: It is rare that I feel all warm and gooey and tender from a comic book. And those last two pages of this book, I mean, there was a little something going on in my eye. Uh, the I've Missed You Too stretch.
0: Yeah. Oh, that hit me.
2: Yeah. I mean, it that was, was just... a punch in the gut. It was such a warm buddy feeling. Yeah. No, I I dug it. Jonathan Hickman, you complete me.
1: <laughs> so next week, let's hope we get some good books that are just as good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got the second part of the Omega Effect coming out. We've got Shadow Number 1 from Garth Ennis and Dynamite Studios. Woo! Um we've got AVX2 as well as some AVX crossovers in Avengers and Wolverine and the X-Men. Now are you picking up the Shadow Paul. Oh hell yes. <laughs> um and we've also got the Start of the Night of the Owls crossover in Batman number eight. God dang it. And and also uh the next part of Ends of the Earth in Amazing Spider-Man. So good stuff. Alrighty, well, get your second job
2: so you can afford the books. Yeah, no shit. <laughs>
4: Deep, dip, 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 dip. That's all. Folks